So the first thing I would say is get to know your child. Sometimes children with autism don't like having haircuts. So don't cut the hair then. Or cut the hair when they're asleep, if you can. But usually, it's not usually the cutting the hair. It's the, the vibration from the um, tweezers. From the, from the clipper. Clippers, yeah. That, yeah. That noise is too much. Wow. I can't. There's some, oh. there's some barbers that are autistic, autistic-friendly barbers. Yeah. You look for them. Or you learn to cut the hair yourself, your mom. mom. Or you use self scissors. You know? Give them a nice, funky hairstyle. So it's actually improvising and learning to fit into their world. So I like the fact, I want to stay with that Tesco. So what are the other examples? So you've said something about um, Tesco having autism-friendly shopping. Some barbers mm -hmm. are um, autism-friendly as well. So what mm -hmm. are the examples? So for those listening to us and are in the UK, what other examples do you have that you can actually give us? Going on the bus. Going on the bus, I mean, um, um, so my children in school, we actually take them out into the community. And when we take them out into the community, we usually have things like um, my, my um, teaching assistants have, I'm a, I'm a teaching assistant of a child with autism. I've got that T-shirt written on. So if my child is jumping up and down on the bus, it's okay. It's all right. Nice. It's you should understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So just know their badges, their bags, their, you know, know that. And know mm. that it is what it is. So um um yeah, yeah, that's fine. And one of the other things I was gonna say is that the if you're taking a child and a child out into the community, for example, in public transport or in a car, whatever, you need to risk assess it and know mm, what are the possible things that could happen on on the worst day. Risk assessment. I'm trying to get that. Yeah, one. I, I took one of my boys out. He was going. Um, I was taking them to a big park to learn how to ride bikes, and we were going to go by bus. And I, we went there by bus. We walked to the bus stop. Got there by bus. Everything was fine. Coming back, we took a bus, but we had to um change um buses. When we got to 10 minutes near school and we had to change buses, he refused to get on the bus. Screamed, shouted, sat on the floor, held the doors. Was, and I'm wondering, what's going on here? We've just yeah. gone on this journey. We've enjoyed it. I've showed him all the signs. I've counted down. We're leaving. It's finishing. We're going back to school. Everything. Fine. What is going on here? So I thought, okay, right. He doesn't want to get on this bus. He's screaming and shouting. I need to do something. Like, we're going to have to walk. So we walked back to school and then I was telling mom and she said, oh, I forgot to tell you, he doesn't take two buses to a place. He will oh. only take a bus from here to, from point A to point B, end of, and coming back from the same place from B to A, not B to C to A. I went, all right, really? She could have told me that this morning and saved all of us that. So since then, I know he only takes one. So if the bus, is not going to that exact place. We have to change. Is either I book a taxi for him to go with it, mm. or I drive them there myself. Some really weird extreme cases. I've had to do that, or we take the bus, we get off, and we walk. But mm. I needed to have known that, and it was because at risk, at risk, assessed it with him because I needed to see what he will do 
There's no point in if I'd gone on my own, yeah, okay. He could jump out of the window. No, he won't because the window is too high. He could run out of the door. No, the driver will block the door before I get there. So, but that particular thing of the change of buses, I didn't know. So, but that it, it goes takes, back. But that goes back to what you said about the profile at the beginning of admission. That goes back to profile. But what that profile like? also changes. Oh, right. Okay. So it's actually I did his admission when he was three. Yes. And now I was taking him out when he was six. It's not the same thing. Just because I don't like um, jelly now does not mean I'm not going to like jelly at six. So you always have to keep checking. It's always a constant thing. How is he doing with it? I mean, now my little boy is on the plane. He's gone to Paris. Oh, my mommy told me, yeah, she said he loves it on the plane, but we prepare him a lot before then. We show him the aeroplane. We actually brought a picture of him when he'd been to Paris before and showed it to him. And we're explaining at, at school and at home, joined together. And it was just mommy and him, just the two of them that went. Mm. The other siblings stayed. Yeah. So and that's that very was important. It. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And that's very important because it shows that they're human beings and they evolve as we evolve as well. Yeah. And, I, and I don't want us to forget that. Just for those listening, we do not forget that. Because they express their emotions differently or they process their emotions or things differently, they still evolve as human beings as we evolve. And that's a very important point. My six, five, five-year-old girl who joined my school Mm. by the time she was getting to year five, I was saying to mommy, we need to start having the talk about periods because it's going to come soon. You can see she's growing. Oh, yes, she did get her periods too. Yeah. They do have sexual feelings too. Yes. In fact, it, their, their sexual feeling is heightened more than we neurotypicals. Yeah, it's heightened. How so? Don't forget. Go on. How, How so? so? Hmm. Because you and I can feel um, a slight touch and feel all right. They feel the slight touch and it's their sensitivity levels rate higher than ours. Right. So something I could, uh, a man could touch a cheek like this and you're fine. A man could touch their cheek like that and they like it. It's, oh, I want more of it. Wow. There's so many things I've learned along my journey one of the things that threw me off balance completely was um, children with autism masturbate a lot. I mean, until I saw it with my two front eyes, I did not believe, oh, yes. At first, I just used to wonder, what is the whole, and she was eight then. Oh. Yes. So I always say to people, don't even think that, oh, well, she's not going to pay any attention if I'm, hmm. I'm dressing naked. No, 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 no. The same way you would treat your children. Yeah, you need to do that. Then all those things come into place. All of it. Wow. And that's why most of the time with children, special needs, you always have to educate them early, much earlier about sexual things. As in, not, I'm not saying show them the picture of the birds and the bees. Mm -hmm. I'm like teaching them about not touching, uh, people not touching them or mm -hmm. seeing, yeah, through social stories and things. Like, yeah, yeah, very important. I had never seen it before till, and then they clicked, oh yeah, that's what it is. Now, um, there were two sides to it. I'm thinking, has she been exposed to it early and now it's just part of her? And there's a long story that went on 
prior to that that yeah but it happens it happens and it's that awareness as well yes so don't 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 be shocked and don't go oh my child is demonized no it's nothing like that no it's it's just just like a, a 15 year old starts to have sexual feelings at that age yeah same way they're going they're not going to think because they've got autism they don't have those feelings of course they still have those feelings yeah. hmm. so i want to go back to what you said about um when you um when you ha- were trying to get on the bus with your student and he would you said something about i did the countdown with him I spoke to him, and when he was going to get on the plane, we spoke about that. What does that mean? Because I sort of, I sort of know what you mean, but for our listeners, what does that mean? You did the countdown with him. So, children with autism work best with routine. What I'm doing every day is the same way, and when they wake up in the morning, they expect their day to be the same thing. Now, if the day is going to change, and we all know days change. Mm, mm. you need to prepare them for that change i.e you need to let them know something in their day is not going to be the same so i wake up i brush my teeth i have my breakfast i take a shower i wear my uniform i put on my clothes come to school yeah if you are going to make a diversion to the store before then you need to tell them because while you're driving them to school or walking to school and you're not going the right way they're going to be what's going on here this is not the way I, I this is not what happens every day and then a, a meltdown could happen right so always make sure you prepare the, I mean some of my children the way they come to school is the way they must always come to school they cannot come to school any other way they can't it must be that way on because that's all you've shown me but why are you trying mm. to confuse me now and it also brings up a lot of um, anxiety um, sometimes the fact that I'm screaming and I'm shouting and I'm I'm, I'm lashing out does not mean I'm angry. It could mean I'm scared. It could mean I'm I'm worried. It could mean I'm not sure. It could mean I don't feel safe. Mm. It's not always I'm angry, but I don't feel safe because you're taking me through somewhere I don't know and I've never seen and I've never been before. What if something happens to me? Oh, all those thoughts and things come to mind here. Yeah. So, oh. And it does not mean that I'm being disruptive as well. It just no. Why well, my just... behavior and shame disruption? Because I'm telling you something. Now, the more you 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 work with the child, the more you live with the child, the more you start to know. Ah, this is as a result of. And believe you me, I play that game almost every day. Why is he doing this? What is matter? I mean, we, we've learned many ways. My little boy can hit his head, hit his head, hit his head. He's hitting it. But he's, he's trying to tell me, I've got a headache, it hurts. Right. Now, we children, I've got a headache, it hurts. It might be, I've got a toothache or a blocked nose mm. on my ear. So many things are going on there, but I can't tell you this is what is wrong with me. But I'm mm. showing you something is wrong. So, like I said, every day with, with courses, with talking to people, with working it out, ah, we've learned. Sometimes when he shows that, he's not feeling well. Hmm. So what we've done is we've um, cut up um, pictures of him with different body parts and we show him. And sometimes he can point and tell you, it's my tooth hurting me. And it was the tooth. Well, I've got a nose, uh, my nose, I've got, it's got sinuses to his nose. Yeah. Or his ear. We also found out because um, he's got autism, mom was always 
scared to clean his ears and things. So guess what? Wax has built up in there. It's so hard. He can't take it out normally. He has to undergo surgery to take it out. And it makes sense why he can't hear properly. It's the wax. It's the wax build up. So there's just so many things you, 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 you get to know and you get to understand. But it's about knowing the child. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you wrote a book called Superpowers. Why yes. Superpowers? <laughs> um, so it took me a long time coming writing that book but um, I was looking at different things just because I wanted to educate I spent a good number of my time on the telephone talking to people that is usually about either parenting or bringing up children or schools or special needs something I always do and I thought okay why don't I just write a book and tell everybody at once and I can hit everybody at once letting them know and then I started thinking how will I do about this how will I go about this and then I thought okay I'm going to use a walking experience I've had now and when my children were younger I used to um if the school was closed for whatever reason instead of staying at home with them I'll bring them to my school with me and while I bring them to school with me I would tell they would ask me oh mommy why is that boy behaving like this and I'll explain oh he's got so so and so he's got so so and so and that and that was how I, that was actually the main way I taught my children about children with special needs. Them coming to school and seeing what I do. Mm-hmm. But then again, I started looking at, I didn't just want to make it a dull, a, a dull, dark moment of they've got this, the end of the world. No, because I know those children have got things that I haven't got. One of my girls could speak four languages. What can I speak? She could play the instrument. She couldn't read the musical notes. But if she heard a beat, she would be able to play it again. Wow. Same with another boy. So instead of, of the school spending money on books for him, we, we we were able to buy him a drum on which mm. he used to drum in school. And, you know, year six, um, usually when year six children are leaving the school on their presentation, they come and act to play, whatever. Yes. We just made a musical orchestra and then he was able to play the drums in it and be part of it. So... His mom cried her eyes out that day saying, I didn't even know he could do that. Oh, I didn't know he could drum. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. So those things were their superpowers because you and I can't do it. So <laughs> I can't. Look, at the fact that, look at the fact that they don't know 10 times 10 is 10 and uh, 100 or whatever, or do algebra or whatever, but they've got other things you couldn't, we can't, we couldn't do. And then what I realized was, Got a minute. I actually sat down and wrote down the list of the characters. Those characters are linked to children I've taught. Oh, right. Then, yeah, all the characters are linked to children that I've taught over the years. And when I was looking at, at the characters, I was like, oh, yeah, this child can do this that nobody else could do. Oh, yeah, she can do this. And that was how I went, yeah, those are their superpowers. They've got other things, they've got other gifts that we haven't got, got and we're using it. So, um, I mean, one of my little boys in school, every all the 29 children are sitting on the carpet. They're learning their phonics. They're doing their own thing. He walked around the class holding his ears and screaming. It's fine. He just, that was just his own thing. He would sit on the carpet. And then one day I'd taken him to lunch early because I take him when the dining hall is empty. So they're not children in there. Right. And um, I was writing while he was eating. And I was just, I dropped my pen. <laughs> 
and my post-it notes and I went to do something. And when I got back, he'd written garden on my post-it notes, G-A-R-D-E-N. Mm-hmm. I looked, I went, but there's nobody here. Who wrote that? And I looked at him and he looked back at me and I said, garden. And I now figured he was telling me, I want to go to the garden. I finished eating now. I want, I want to go to I the garden. I hugged him. I cried. I jumped up and died. I was telling everybody. And that's how we discovered he could read. He could read any and everything at the age of four. The rest of the kids couldn't do it. Wow. So from that, I went, you little dark horse. That means all the times we've been doing things in class, though he's walking around the whole place and screaming, he's listening to what we're saying and is able to um, assimilate that. And since then, I'm like, okay, now, what do we, so things like that. He can read, he can read anything. Hmm. Understanding of what he's read. So again, one of the things I said I've learned throughout the years is, right, we're working with the British curriculum. We're working with year three says they should be learning electricity and science, blah, 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 blah. What is meaningful for him? So his curriculum, yes, is what is meaningful and purposeful for him. So though the whole class can be reading Oliver Twist, he's not going to read that. He's going to read a book on probably walking to school safely. And everything he does, his maths, his English, his, everything comes from that particular book. Right. So I... I, I even though we use a particular um, scheme for reading, I purposely select the books he uses. Mm. You know, talking about dressing up, dressing up appropriately for the right weather. I use that for him instead. Even I'm, I'm, he's able to make choices of what he wants to do. So it's not, it's a lot, but the most important thing is making his learning experience in school meaningful and purposeful. No point in making him do things that have no bearing to what he's going to do. Don't be asking me how um, uh, the bus came at 10 o'clock <laughs> and we got to the shops at 10 15. How long did it take? No, that's not really, he doesn't really care about that. It's not but really about Yeah. What matters more to him is what time he goes to sleep, what time he wakes up, and what he does, his routine. So it's, it's just different things. Getting if we're trying to make a sandwich instead of just putting all the things in there and doing it for him, we put the different ingredients there in clear containers and he picks what he wants to put on the sandwich. And then we know, oh yeah, so he doesn't like that, he doesn't like that, right? Off the menu. So it's it's all the children, that's what we do hmm. in school. Even um, the maths, he's not in class for the maths and written. he does this in a separate room but things that are non-academic like music, like PE, like art, he's with his mm. mates class, and he knows a few of them, they're going out on a school trip, he goes along they get on the bus and the train, he takes a taxi so he still goes on educational visits so there's so many things, they might be spending the whole day there, he spends half of the day right, choices Yeah, it's just about streamlining things so it works better. But that's what the school will do. But as a parent, you having that knowledge and understanding and being the voice for your child. So 
in some cases, they'll be like, oh, we're going to visit the Houses of Parliament. Oh, but your son can go because, you know, he's got autism. Mm -mm. I understand in that situation. Mm, what will you really get from the House of Parliament? Will you get any understanding from that? Oh, but can he go to a giant indoor space trampoline park? Yeah, so mm -hmm. he can do that. And that would help him more and he will enjoy that much. So yeah, he's going for that. It's just about knowing what will work and what works. Yeah. I mean, those are just two extreme cases, but knowing that, I mean, most times the, the class teacher come to me and say, these are the trips we've arranged for the year. This is what we want to do. Can X, Y, Z go for it? And I say, okay, what are the, what are the barriers that will be? Mm. This may not work. Mm, not quite sure about that. What's the ratio of adults going to be with him? What is this? What is that? When we work all of that, so nasty, is it worth it? So we're, we're trying to risk assess. Mm. Is it worth it or not? And in most cases, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It won't be a problem. If there's a problem, call me. And I'm, I'll, I'll drive up to wherever you are and pick up the child or put the child in a taxi or Uber or whatever with the adults. And then that's how it works around things. In some cases, I'll invite the parents. Hmm. So it, what I'm it takes a lot of planning, though. It takes, I, I, it's not a walk in the park. It takes a lot of planning. It does sound like, you know, and I like the fact that it's not one size fits all is one of the things you've mm -hmm. actually spoken to us about. And it takes a lot of planning and you navigate the journey as it comes as well. Because, of course, you know, with each child as well is knowing where they fit and what works for them and their family. So and that's very important in this journey. Um, so one of the things I would like to ask quickly as well is what does learning generations do? I've heard you talk about learning generations. I saw it online. I said to follow it. But again, for our listeners, what does learning generations do? What is learning generations? So um, learning generations is, it's just the name I've always had <laughs> from a long time ago. And I set it up because I wanted to be able to bridge the gap between people's perception of children with needs and children's and, and adults or the community's perception of children without needs. And it's just like a meeting point. It's just like an information-based place, for example. And most of the times I put out things that I've seen or I've noticed along my journey at work. Mm. And sometimes people just contact me. It's, it's more from what I do at work. Like um, there was once when we were doing some safeguarding training and he was talking about the high percentage of children with special needs that have been abused because obviously they can't speak out. Mm. And I sat down there writing about it and some moms contacted me. Oh, I didn't know. I've like all those therapists you have going in and out of your house, screen them, check them, pull cameras, make sure you're aware. So those things are from things I've seen and I will talk about. Other things are maybe people just want me to point them in the right direction in terms of I'm looking for a secondary school for my uh, child or what mm. can I look out for? What school can my child go to? Ooh, this and that. And also in the UK, we've got um, something called an educational healthcare plan. Now, information is key. If Absolutely. you don't know that such things exist, you will go through your whole life not accessing things that you're entitled to. Mm. Mm. So it's just things that I direct people to and I say 
have you applied for this? Okay, let's start by this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Why don't you do this? Or if they say, oh, my child's school is saying this. I'm like, no, by law, they should do that. By law, they should do this. A lot of things. If you don't know, you don't know. I mean, one of my teaching assistants who works with children with special needs did not know her children, two children were entitled to an EHCP. That's educational healthcare plan. And I looked at her and I went, yeah. you're joking, aren't you? She went, no, I, I didn't know. Like, okay, come, let's drop that letter together. Take it back to your, your children's school and oh. say to them, you want this for your children. I mean, they've got um, physical needs because of physical stroke health because they've got sickle cell. Right. Now, okay. She says that they've had no issues in school. They've gone through school all right. But in the last year, the older one had a crisis and was really bad. And I said to her, do you know what you can get from that? You didn't make it up. You're not stealing. You're not cheating. It's the truth. You can apply because um, your educational health care plan goes from when you're zero to 25. Oh, OK. So knowledge is power here. Yes, it takes you through that time in terms like when you're a young adult looking for accommodation, even trying to get accommodation in university. If you've got those things, you'll be entitled to certain things and certain perks. Why not get it if it's there? But if you don't know about it, you're not going to know you can even get it. Does it go? Things like you can get extra allowance in, in taking exams because yeah. you can work to the um 45 minutes they've given even things like i've got dyslexia so it's hard for me to listen and process and remember all the spelling and get it down right so instead of having all of that i'll be giving you a laptop in year seven and i can type as my teacher so many things oh. but it's just about telling parents mm, you can get this oh, you can do this did you know that okay come even special allowance in the airport traveling um being able to furnish your house with different things from this NGO or that. Oh yeah. Lots of things you can get, but it's just about knowing that mm. I can get these things. And also when you have an EHCP primary school, whatever school your parents name or nominate on your form for secondary school, you're more than likely to get it. Wow. Because you've got an EHCP. Yeah. I remember one of my parents, um, um, my little girl is, she was, um, she's registered blind. She's got albinoism. I mean, the albinoism is not, it doesn't really disturb her from doing things, but because she's also visually impaired. So it was, to, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that makes up her physical. Um, right. Okay. And um, average students. All right. I said to the parents when they were filling out the form, I said, what school did you put for her? Oh, the school around the corner. I went, is that really the best school? I thought, okay, come, right. She can get to the best school in the borough with that. So let's fill it out. And she got it. Mom, parents are so happy. Oh, she started off at the bottom set. Now she's on the top set. I said, you see, so they just things you can do if you know. But it's when you don't know, then hmm. you don't get those things done. So. So knowledge is That's power. What generation does. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Knowledge is power. And you don't know what you don't know. And that was the other thing I, I, I got from that. So, you know, I was looking through um learning generations. Um, I was looking through the your pictures on Instagram and I saw that you do some work with Nigeria or in Nigeria. And what struck me about that was, I mean, I've been speaking to people in Nigeria as well. Schools 
in certain places in Nigeria do have some awareness. So before we go, I would like you to tell us about one of those schools on the mainland that, you know, they don't have that awareness. Where can they get support for their pupils? Or what can they do? Even parents, what can they do? Where can they go? Okay, so I, I would even say, I think I started up doing more work with schools in Nigeria before here. Oh, okay. Don't ask me why. Yeah, but they just turned out that way. I started doing a lot more work in Nigeria than than here. So they're, they're, with the special schools in Nigeria, what I've realized is that the owners, the, the proprietresses actually have children with autism. So they know and they understand. Mm. That's the first thing. So I know of Patrick's speech in GRA Kedja. I know of the learning place in Lekki. I know about Manas Center, Manas Center in Lekki as well. Um, most other private schools usually outsource help from different people. Now, one of the things we've been trying to advocate is having a body that can um, regulate or regularize people's credentials because different people just wake up and do three or four courses online and become specialists and therapists. And um, I'm a bit skeptical about that. So those are places I've worked with and I know because I know the owners mm. of the people who, you know, they will give you the best advice of where you can go. But one of the other things I just put out there is that if you, if you, I mean, people are different, but okay. if you own a school, try to get as much training and implement the training. Don't just go on a course on Saturday for six hours, get a certificate and say, I am X, Y, Z. No, start to put that into practice. And I, I will say this out here and I can say it in front of everyone who knows me. My, my boss at work is very passionate about children, especially she's passionate about all children and makes it a point of duty for all children to thrive. Now, what do I mean by this? I meet with her every Monday for an hour, sometimes two or three, depending on how naughty I've been. <laughs> I meet with them and we actually go through things for the special needs children in the school. Right. She will come back and say, so, so, and so is still having a difficult time with so, so, so. What have you implemented in place for that child? What's going on there? So hmm. it's not just me. It's been the biggest shift in my career. It's not just sitting with the same group with me. It sits with my overall boss. We sit together and we talk about it. What can we do? How can you support the teacher? It's not just about reports sitting at my table. I actually have to do walks around the school every day for at least 30 minutes, pop in and see the kids in class to see what's going on there. Is this appropriate? Is this this? What has the child got to do? Makes the biggest shift. If you're sitting in your office, you're not going to know what's happening. No, accountability. And, and even if when you said, oh, we are going to do X, Y, Z, if you don't go and see it happen in real life, it ain't going to happen. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I would even go into the class, take the teacher's class and say, you go out and see what your child is doing. Go and see that intervention. 
go and see that thing that's been written down that says your child must get XYZ occupational therapy in school for 20 minutes. Get up and go and see, is it happening? And mm. those extra things that the children have to have as well, is it on their timetable? Because if it's not in their timetable, it won't happen. It won't happen. Um, um, so, those um, are just things I look at and I, I, I help schools with. And so I do most of my work in Nigeria. And I would say I work more with families and individuals in the UK because I, I work full time. I, Absolutely. I an appointment at three o'clock. I'm at work. Mm. So I do a lot of that here. That's so, what institution does. But, so on the last note, before rounding up, because this has been, it's been an eye opener. I've learned so much, even myself as well. So this has really, really been good. But, you know, before we round up, for families in Nigeria especially, mm -hmm. and I know for you as well, you know, because you've worked in Nigeria before coming to the UK, for families that are worried in Nigeria, so say we have a family who's thinking something is not right, what is that first point of call for them? What should they do in the first instance? The first instance is to speak to the school. No matter how bad you might think they are, and all schools are not bad in Nigeria. All schools don't just take your money. There's a lot of there are a lot of people I believe who want to be teachers and who want to do well. So start from there. Ask the school. Have you noticed this about my child? Have you seen that? Oh, my child is not talking. Oh. Even though that can be too extreme, because in Nigeria, you're, you're three years old and you should know your time stable and be able to write one to one thousand. But you know, me and I know that that's not the way it works. Here. But just go and ask. What can I do? What should I do? Is there somebody that can um, come and see my child and be able to tell me or give me a diagnosis? Or, or, or even, it might not be anything. It might, sometimes it might just be delayed. I always say to parents, every child that is not speaking does not mean the child has autism. Mm. Sometimes it takes a while. I've seen children who haven't spoken till they are seven, eight. I've seen boys in nappies in my school till eight. They come out of it and they do talk and they do make progress. Being patient is also key. Being yes, patient. Just go and ask the school and ask, is there anybody? There will always be somebody, no matter wherever the school is, somebody will always know something. Mm. And Dr. Google is there. Google a few things. Check. What can I do? My child is crying. My child is not sleeping. My child is... Find out. There are little, little niggling things that will tell you mm, it's more than all some things that do I need to change something mm. about what's going on with my child and see if it's any better. Just not before you go, I want to say something. Um, in terms of children that have some behavior issues you're seeing, if you don't take away anything, remember this A, B, C. The A is the antecedent something happening antecedents okay yeah b is the behavior what is the child showing me so for example um like my little boy i said when he comes to school in the morning he's coming to school in the morning he's very busy he's coming to school what's the behavior he shows me he clears up all the plants or he hits children or things along his way in the corridor when he's coming in. Now, what's the consequence? The C is the consequence. What do I do after that? 
Those three things can help you to start to unpick why certain things are happening. Yeah. And then the, 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 in terms of the consequence, the consequence doesn't have to be a knock or a slap or a pinch. I was just going to ask for us to clarify yeah, no, that. No, 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 no. The consequence or the aftermath is what do I do with that behavior? Do I leave it and say nothing? Or do I give the child a stern look and show the child visuals as in, or with X, red X's that not allowed, as in no spitting, no biting, no slapping. Do I show them that you can't do this? Because children with autism, there's, I'm dysregulated with my behavior and there's just bad behavior. Mm. If you cannot separate the two, you might have a big problem because some things might just be learned behavior. Just, I've learned to do that and it's okay, so I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, I've got a little girl in reception now and she does certain things and I've said to her teacher and her mom, I'm like, that's learned behavior. I'm not having that because I will be the one to deal with that child at four. At, at in year four, mm -mm, no, stop it. She should not be biting. Does she bite at home? No, that's a lie. She bites at home. If she's biting in school because she's frustrated when she wants something, she's definitely biting at home. Hmm. And then that helps me to know how to support the family and support the teacher. That's very interesting because what I'm hearing you say is that because we have a diagnosis does not mean that we cannot put um, boundaries in place. It does not mean oh, yeah. that they have we have to allow them or the people or the children with the diagnosis cross certain lines. Yeah, we still need because to let them know that there is this, yes. this is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Yes, because when you see that repeated behavior, I've seen instances when parents will come and tell me, oh, my little sister, or my, my girl is throwing her younger brother down the stairs. That's not acceptable. Or smashing the TV because I don't have the remote control or I want to take up that channel and I can't. So therefore I'm going to knock. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. The hmm. same way you put boundaries in place, because I've seen children with um living with autism and I've got good behavior. Yeah, so no, you can't do that. Not allowed, not accepted. Ah, and there's something else. It was like a real moment with me. If a child with autism ever, ever gets lost because it happens, okay, just know that the child has gone back to a place they know. They've gone back to a familiar place. So start checking with there first. Hmm. Go back to a familiar place if a, a child. Familiar place. place, a child. It happened with me. The gates were left open at work mysteriously. My 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 this other boy, he was a runner. He used to run. But you know, if he ran, we knew he was running towards one particular place. Unfortunately for us this day, we didn't the, the, the adult who was with him on the playground did not realize that. He'd, I mean, he'd been walking past the gates and the gates were open, the doors were open. The gate, okay, fine. That means that's an escape route anytime I need to run. And he ran and he ran out of school. And he was missing for a good 45 minutes. And he's nonverbal, by the way. So there's no way he'd be able to tell anybody, my name is. So, yeah. <laughs> that was one day that was not interesting for me. But at the end of the day, um, of course, I had to use what I knew, which was pray. Mm. And I just put to God and I said, Lord, you have to help me find this child today. 
Oh yes, I wasn't the one with him when he got when he ran out of school and got lost, but he's still under my watch. Mm. And um something said just go back to his because he moved homes. Right, okay. And every time he was coming to school, he used to still try and drag his mom's hand. Oh, that's not the way. That's the way. That's oh, the way. So um I just went back and I found him outside his um his old house. He's just dancing in the, on the in the front there, on the road by the way. So go back to a familiar place. Go back to a familiar place, a place they enjoy or they like. I mean, somewhere they, they I mean, um, in London, children can get on the buses without paying. So you need to be careful over they don't get off, enter a familiar bus. They always enter because they don't need to pay. And if they mm -hmm. enter the bus and they sit down quietly and they know the stop, they get yeah, all those things. Yeah. yeah. Pay very close attention to that. Yes. Hmm. That was, uh, yeah. And he'd been in school from nursery to uh, year six. And it was three weeks before he left us that that happened. Wow. So wow. I was highly traumatized. I could not stop crying. And <laughs> my boss just said, you're a mess, go home. I couldn't, because my brain, all sorts of things have gone through my mind, thinking, Lord, what if he was hit by a bus? What if he was kidnapped? What if he was abducted? What if he stepped on the train? What if he stepped on the truck? All sorts of things. Could, mm -hmm. so, very, very important. You always make sure that gates or doors that lead outside are always Locked. shut. Locked. Always shut. shut. Yeah. Always. Always. Even if you have to make adjustments and change the level of the handle of the door. Mm. As they yeah, as get taller or as they grow older and wiser. Yes. Thank you very yes. much. That's, yes. that's a very important point to know. So before we round up, where can we get your book and how can we see more of your work, you know, in education and for teachers in Nigeria or for parents in Nigeria or for anybody listening, where can we see more of Mrs. O and where can we get your book? So you can get my book, it's on Amazon now, just amazon.co.uk. If you just put in superpowers or superpowers, if you're Quibuna, you'll say, come up there. So that's one central place. Of course, I always have copies in my booth. So wherever I go to, I'm like, oh, you're going to buy a book. <laughs> and, and I'm online as well. Just check online, DM, direct message me on any of the Instagram pages. You, you get me. I look at that very, I mean, it pops up on my phone. So I always... Um, answer that so just to be clear families who have questions or educators who have questions can message you on your yes. social media page yes. and you would get back to them as soon as you can yes if I know if I have the answer to which one I would always say hello I would always reply I, I don't ignore things like that I always answer yes that's reassuring Thank you very much. And it's been very, very lovely speaking with you. And thank, thank you. you so much for your time. And thank you all for listening.